We are continuing in our study of the book of John, and this morning we're, we come to John 16, verses 16 through 24. Um, this is the last section before we really get into one of the most famous passages in all of Scripture, which is considered the high priestly pair, John 17. And so some powerful stuff coming up, but I still think there's some really beautiful things that Jesus tells the disciples right before the high priestly prayer. If you wanted a title for today's message, the title for today's message is Joy Greater Than Sorrow. Joy Greater Than Sorrow. So um, if you have a Bible, um, turn to John 16, verses 16 through 24. But if you have the bulletin, it's printed for you there. Let me read God's word. A little while and you will see me no longer. Mind you, this is Jesus talking to his disciples. And again, a little while you will see me. So some of his disciples said to one another, what is this that he says to us? A little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while you will see me. And because I'm going to the Father. So they were saying, what does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he is talking about. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him. So he said to them, is this what you're asking yourselves? What I meant by saying a little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while and you will see me. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament. But the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being is being born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive, that your joy may be full. This is an important question for all of us to ask, sincerely. What were you made for? What were you made for? What is the end of your life? What is your life direction pointing to? If you answer that question, it gives your life direction, and that direction could perhaps lead to meaningful life. But if the answer to that question for you is one of uncertainty or unknown, it could lead to directionlessness, uncertainty, confusion. And so, my, my friends, I ask you simply to consider the question, what were you made for? I hope you have an answer to that question, and Thankfully, the church throughout the years and ages have been answering this question for us. And perhaps my favorite answer that the church has given to this very question comes from the Westminster Shorter Catechism, question number one. And if you're like, what is that? It is a church document from the 1600s to help people understand what, what is God and what is life. And so simply the question goes like this. What is the chief end of man? And the answer the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Now, so from observing life, just you and me, observing life, as you look at the way the world lives and the way that you live, just from observing it, I think we can say without a, without a doubt that human beings, people, were made for joy. And so that question and answer, that Westminster Shorter Catechism question and answer is actually quite profound and wise. We were made 
for joy. For joy. And, you know, that's just from our experience. We can look at life and say, okay, yes, I want joy. I pursue joy. But I think the Bible backs it up, which is why the Westminster Shorter Catechism answers it that way. I mean, think for, for, for just a, a moment what the fruits of the Spirit are, which is the characteristic of God. The fruits of the Spirit are love, joy. And it is joy that will spring up into the lives and the hearts of those who are members of, of Christ and his body, that there will be joy in our heart. It's a characteristic of who God is. But even more than that, joy is um, who we were made to be because we're made in the image of God. We were made for joy. Do you know that? It is okay to seek joy. We were made for joy. And yet, while we were made for joy, if we live any long, anything longer than three years old, we realize that life can smother that joy so quickly. We lose loved ones. Our parents divorced. The jobs that we hoped and dreamed for aren't what we thought that they were. The boyfriend or the girlfriend we hoped would make a lifelong commitment leaves us for no good reason. The stock market crashes and we're left with no savings. I mean, the list could go on and on and on and on. We were made for joy, but sorrow smothers it. And so we have this incredible tension that we all live in each and every one of our days, a desire for joy, but sorrows that so often smother it. It is a tension that we all deal with, and it is a tension we try to resolve in our own strength, in our own ability. So many turn to bigger homes and better cars and material possessions. Others turn to alcohol and substances to numb this tension that we all feel. But it's all at the same time, the same root. It's trying to control this tension, this tension of longing for joy, but the reality of sorrows in the midst of it. I think most of us live like this. Joy lasts for the night, but sorrow comes with the morning. That is life. Can you relate to it? Sadly, I think all of us can indeed relate to this. The cyclical cycle of seeking joy only to lose it in the morning. This is why I think it's so important to turn our eyes to the words of Jesus from John 16. Because they think what Jesus offers to us in John 16 is that yes, indeed, sorrow exists. It lasts for the night. But joy comes with the morning. He offers to us a joy that is greater than our sorrows. How is this so? How is there a joy that is greater than our sorrows, that is able to live in the tension and enables us to have joy even amidst our sorrows? I think it's profoundly rooted in the deep truth of who God is and what it is he's done. It is deeply, if you want to get real technical, it is deeply theological. So this morning, I want to take hold of these truths, these theological truths, that we might find the joy that is greater than our sorrows. We were made for joy, and we have sorrows, and we can have joy that is greater than our sorrows. We're going to see that this joy, the joy that is greater than our sorrows, has been purchased, it is permanent, 
and it is provided for us. So if you have an outline, that is what we're gonna do. We're gonna look at the joy that is greater than our sorrow, a joy that is purchased, a joy that is permanent, and a joy that is provided. First, a joy that is purchased. I want you to consider again how Jesus starts his message to the disciples in John 16, 16. He says, a little while and you will see me no longer. And again, in a little while, you will see me. You'll see me. Now, we see that in the next few verses, the disciples are like, what are you talking about? I mean, if you and me were sitting in a room and talking, and I was like, hey, in a little while, you're going to see me, and in a little while, you won't see me. I mean, you'd be like, okay, I mean, like, yeah, you're going to leave and go home, and then tomorrow, you're going to see me in the morning. But I think they can, you could kind of picture from this that Jesus is talking about something different. It's a little bit more significant, and they're going, what are you talking about? And, and, and they even mention, and Jesus doesn't say this, they even mention he's going to the Father. You see that in one of the verses? He said, what? Because this is referencing something that Jesus had said earlier in their time together. So the disciples know something significant is taking place. And so Jesus knows this. And so verse 19 through 21, he begins to address the confusion of the disciples head on. And he concludes it in verse 22 like this. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice. I think with this, Jesus implies that there is something about sorrow that his departure is going to address, and that his departure and then coming back will inevitably lead to a joy that is greater than sorrow. I think what he's saying in this, that his leaving is going to address the root of our sorrow as well as the root of our joyfulness. His leaving deeply connects to sorrow and joy. Let's consider this just for a moment. What is at the root of our sorrows? I thought about this for some time, but the best thing that I could put, and, and, and please don't, like, just this is, there's probably more to it, but the one word that I could think about with our sorrows is loss. The one word that is associated with sorrows is loss. It's the loss of Jesus that led to the disciples' sorrow in this moment, which is why Jesus said, you will have sorrow. Why? Because Jesus is going to be lost for them. And for us, it's the loss of a spouse, a job, dreams, the loss of money, the loss of loved ones that bring us sorrow. And if we think about this loss, perhaps the most simple way we can talk about loss is death. It's the death of something, whether it be spiritual, emotional, physical, it's death. So at the heart or at the root of sorrow is death. And so when you start talking about death, anytime you start talking about death in scripture, you're always connecting it to sin because sin is always connected to death in the scriptures. If you know anything of Genesis 1, death comes, why? Because Adam and Eve sinned they disobeyed God so Jesus his leaving and I'm setting this up his leaving is seeking to address the root of sorrow which is loss but what about the root of joy how is how are we to understand joy what is at the root of joy and I think the answer to the root of joy is not loss but life if sorrow is associated with loss, joy is associated with life. You go on a trip and you spend time with your friends and you love it and there's life everywhere and you're filled with joy. 
A new baby is born. Life comes into the world. Jesus used this as an illustration. There is life, life. Joy and life are connected together. Joy and life. The fullness of our joy then is connected always to life. And Jesus in his text talks about coming back. And I, am, I hope you are seeing where I'm leading with this because it's quite obvious if you know anything of the Christian message that Jesus is leaving and his departure and his coming again deal with these two distinct realities head on. And so life comes and shortly comes after that joy. I leave sorrow. I come back with life, joy. Now, How are we talking about Christ purchasing for us a joy that is greater than our sorrows? How are we doing this? It is simply the message of the Christian faith. Jesus was without sin. And therefore, being without sin would never experience death. For sin and death are always associated with each other. But Jesus would leave this room with the disciples and give himself up as a substitute. His life for the life of those who trust him. The lives of those who are riddled with sin. He gives himself up as a substitute. But it doesn't end there. Of course, his His death is not the end of Jesus. It is his resurrection. And so he gives himself. He purchases for his people life through his death. He purchases for his people life through his resurrection. Ultimately, what this is leading to is Jesus giving himself so that the people of God might walk with the giver of life, God himself. And those who walk with God himself, the giver of life, experience joy that is greater than our sorrows. Do you know that after the disciples went, the the disciples went and began their ministries, there was a man named Paul, and he starts talking about rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. He says, rejoice in your sufferings. What? Rejoice in my sufferings, yes, because your sufferings produce character, and your character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us. Rejoice in our sufferings? Yes, because of of, of the joy that Christ purchased for us in his life, his death, and his resurrection. We can have joy greater than our sorrows because Jesus himself has overcome our greatest sorrows, which is death, and he's given it to us, and it's a gift. He has purchased it, and he has given it to us that we might receive it. Have you received the joy that is greater than the sorrows of your life? Have you received from him forgiveness of sins? Have you received from him life, resurrected life, eternal life that begins now? Have you received from him the relationship that he reestablishes with the living God? If you haven't, I want to encourage you today 
to give your life for him. This is the only way that you will ever be able to deal with the sorrows of your life and the longing for joy. But my friends, to those of you that have given your life to him, rejoice. Rejoice. Rejoice in what he has purchased for you. Rejoice in the life that he has given to you. Rejoice in your sufferings because sufferings produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not disappoint us. Rejoice. Do not consider the sufferings of your life to be the greatest tragedy of your life. Yes, you can weep and you can mourn, but know that Jesus is taking those sufferings and using them for good because he has purchased those sufferings with his blood. So joy that is greater than our sorrow is indeed purchased, but not only that, the second thing we've gotta see that Jesus tells his disciples is that not only is joy purchased by his actions, it is permanent through his promise. Look again at verse 22. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and... No one will take your joy from you. The joy that is greater than our sorrows can never be taken from you. These are straight out of the lips of Jesus himself. No one can take away that joy. No one can take away the life that he himself brings. Why? Because Jesus is faithful to his promises. And his life and death and his resurrection were not in vain. Paul tells us this in another way in Romans 8, 38 through 39. I am sure, he says, that neither death or life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor debt, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, nothing, will separate you from the love of God. And Jesus is saying the same thing about the joy that is greater than our sorrows. No one will ever be able to take it away. No one. In a few weeks, I'm gonna experience an abundance of joy because some of my dearest friends, including my dad, my father-in-law, my brother-in-law, from all over the country are gathering together at a resort in Florida to play golf. It's gonna be fun. It is going to be a blast. And if you know me, you know I love golf. And I love being with people. It's gonna be so much fun and there's gonna be so much joy for me. But when I pack up my suitcase in that resort, that fun and that joy is gonna be packed up in that suitcase with it. And then I'm gonna come back here. The joy that I had, it'll be a memory, but it won't last. But Jesus says the joy that is greater than our sorrows, the joy that I will give you, it will indeed last forever. So the joy that you seek, the joy that you seek life from, may it be the joy that lasts forever. Yes, enjoy the things that God gives, trips with friends, nice houses, time together, but rejoice and lean in and seek the joy that lasts forever. And of course, the joy that lasts forever is the joy that Jesus himself gives. It's a joy that is greater than our sorrows. So Jesus shows us the joy that is greater than our sorrows is indeed purchased for us. It is permanent. And lastly, the joy that is greater than our sorrows is provided us right 
now. Now I want you to go to verse 22 and see this. He says in verse 22, um, oh no, yeah, in verse 22, and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take that joy from you. In that day, verse 23, you will ask nothing of me. Once you see this, verse 23, in that day you will ask nothing of me. And then he goes on to say, truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. So what are you talking about, Jesus? (laughs) You're saying you won't ask me anything, and then you'll ask the Father in my name, and then you can say, now I've asked nothing, until now you've asked nothing in my name. What is going on with Jesus' weird words? Let me summarize it for you very simply. At the heart of our beings, when we receive the joy that Christ's life, death, resurrection, and ascension is accomplished, and we receive it, it is given to us, we will have our greatest desire. We will have it, and we will ask nothing of him. Why? Because he's already given everything we've wanted. We already have it. Now, there are, so, so like our desires, the greatest desire of our heart, himself, God himself, we don't have it. But then there are situations in our life that we'll long for. There are situations where we will indeed experience sorrow and despair. And this is where the second part of this uh, aspect of Jesus deals with this. Until now you've asked nothing in my name, but and then ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. It's an experiential joy. It is a present, present reality of that joy that already exists forever. And that joy, if you ask for it, you will receive. Simply put, this, this is simply put. If you ask more for God, if you ask God for him to show up in your life more, guess what he's going to do? He's gonna show up more in your life. And when he shows up more in your life, he's going to provide you with what? Joy that is greater than our sorrows. Do you want to be full of joy? Seek it from the very place your heart was made to seek it, which is God himself. Ask, Jesus says, and you will receive. That means in the present moment, the reality of our life, that in the midst of your sorrows, you can ask God, give me more yourself. I need more of you. And guess what? He is faithful to show up and he will give you more of himself. And you won't want that new car. You won't want that new house. You won't want that new job necessarily. You will be satisfied. And of course, the only way that this is reality is because it's in his name. Because he purchased for us, he purchased for us a joy that is greater than our sorrows. And this joy is so permanent. Nothing can separate you from the joy that he gives. And he gives it to you right now. And this we do through prayer. We tend to think of prayer as, I don't know, this is what we have to do. But Jesus said we get to do this. And it's not about earning God's favor, it's getting more of God. So church, consider not prayer as some burden of like, oh gosh. Consider it as a resource to find satisfaction and joy for your heart even in the midst of sorrow. Do it. Cry out to God. Give him the desires of your heart. And ultimately you realize he is the desire of your heart. And you've got him the whole time. 
I love encounters with joy. And perhaps one of my favorite encounters with joy comes from SeaWorld. Now, this is before Shamu got docked and he got, you know, sidelined. But I lived in Orlando once and I had season pass to SeaWorld. And at Christmas time, they would do Christmas themed joy or Christmas themed Shamu events. And so Kimberly and I, this is before we had kids, we're like, we've got nothing to do. Let's go to SeaWorld. It's awesome. And so we went to the Shamu show. It's a big orca whale, these big orca whales. And the first song that they started playing, that they had choreographed, I mean, this is incredible. You choreograph big orca whales to music. Like, that's incredible in itself. But the first song that, the, that they choreographed to the orca whales was the song, Joy to the World. And the orca whales, joy to the world. Poof, these shamus coming out and doing these amazing flips. And I'm going, what is happening? What is going on? And I look to my left and I look to my right. And, and, and you can imagine, if you've ever been to Orlando, I mean, when you talk about the world coming to Orlando, you're, the world is coming to Orlando. And you see people from, from middle, the Middle East, uh, you know, wearing Middle Eastern clothes. And you see people from Africa who, you know, you know, they're wearing their Afghan garb. And you see people from South America wearing their, and I'm going, Wow. You have the world that has been redeemed in kind of this small picture. The world is coming together. The whales are dancing to the song of joy to the world. And I'm going, you know what? This is kind of a taste of heaven. We're singing praises to God at this, the most, maybe one of the most secular theme parks in all the world. And the world is gathered because Jesus is king. The Lord is king. Indeed, as our king, and this is what I realized, the king has purchased a joy that is greater than our sorrows through the shedding of his blood on the cross. And he promises that joy to come to us because of his resurrection. And because he has defeated death, that joy can never go away. And we even have access to that joy right now through prayer. It was a sweet taste of joy that I will remember for the rest of my life. And this is a joy that is greater than our sorrows, my friends. Seek not that which only lasts for the night. Seek the joy that'll be there in the morning. Will you? I'm gonna try my best to do that too. It's ours. So let's pray. Jesus, we give thanks to you that you have provided a way for us to know joy even amidst our sorrows, a joy that is greater than our sorrows. Would you teach us, teach us how to rejoice in the midst of sufferings? Would you teach us and show us how you indeed are the, are the full uh, reality of our joy? That means if some of us in here are, aren't yet convinced that you are what our heart was made for. I pray that you would bring about frustration and difficulties so that they might say, that's it. Jesus, you are the one I need. You are the one that I have. Oh, remind us of your truths. Remind us of your promises and show us the joy that we can have right here and right now, a joy that is greater than ourselves.